0: Hey everybody, Andy with Sports and Songs here. Special episode today, a little different from our regular format. Sit down with Jason Inc. Uh, He's been on the show a couple times before. We've done a special episode with him in the past. Hopefully something we'll do on a regular basis. So, wrestling fans, enjoy. Not wrestling fans, give a listen. Tell us what you think. Appreciate you all. Again, we like your feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. Enjoy. Jason Ink and I sitting back talking some AEW wrestling, some fantasy booking. All right, this is Andy here, and uh, we're here with Jason Ink. How are you doing today, Inc? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, new segment we're going to start here. Um, you know our regular show, the Sports and Songs show that Dan and I do. Not a lot of sports going on, so we're kind of doing about three shows a month, two, three shows a month. So as fillers. Instead of having Inc on every now and then, we'll have our own little pro wrestling style, pro wrestling format show about every three weeks or so on here just for filler. Um, had some requests for it, so we'll keep it going. Um, we're going to start out today. We're going to talk behind the curtain and in the ring stuff for wrestling. I think first of all, we'll start off with AEW wrestling. They've been wrestling in empty arenas. They've had, uh, other wrestlers be there as fans. So what do you think so far? Your opinion of the empty arenas? Do you like it? Is it, is it getting you by? Would you rather this didn't do it?
1: Um, at this, at this point, you know, I'd have to say judging by, as far as judging by shows, I'd say AEW is doing a better job with getting by with the the empty the empty arenas versus WWE or versus other promotions. Um, I think AEW is utilizing their their their, their, their I think they're they're uh, they're being smarter on the way they do things versus some other companies um, out there
0: that are doing shows. One of the ink ads coming in. Looking good. Inkette. The Eds. The Inkettes in the house. Um, yeah, so they're doing their own. They're holding up. Um, I just think it, it's got to be like going back to the old school days for these guys. The indie, the indie circuits where you're doing the high school gyms and stuff like that for some of them, you know, with nobody there or small crowds. or It's almost like trying out again.
1: Well, I think, you know, I think the difference between the two companies is 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 where WWE... A lot of the guys that are a lot of the guys that are up on the main roster, and a lot of the guys that come to WWE aren't used to performing in front of small crowds or in front of no crowds at all. Because a lot of them, as we know, don't uh, don't start out on the indies. A lot of them that come through NXT or you know come to the WWE and get signed on are are brought in and are molded the way the WWE wants them. Where AEW's guys. A lot of these guys that are on AEW, a lot of people don't realize they all broke out of the indies. Right. They all started, you know, Darby Allin, you know, MJF, I mean, you name it. Like, they all they all came up off of the indies, you know, and I think that's the big difference. So, they're used to, well, you know, tonight, you know, we might wrestle
0: in front of 50. Tomorrow, it might be 200. Right. And that was the thing with AEW when it first came out. People were saying, these guys were wrestling in these big arenas, you know. Three, four, five thousand 5,000 people arenas, they weren't used to that. I think this cutback is almost going to help their products when they go back to full crowds again because they've kind of worked out the bugs, worked out with each other, figured out what uh, Matt and Nick Jackson want, what Tony Khan wants, Omega and all them guys want out of them. So they kind of had to take two steps back to figure it out. I think that's, that's going to help them. I think it's hurting uh, Big Brother up in New York there at WWE because you I, you watch the WrestleMania that. They're so used to crowd reaction on their moves and there was none there. I mean, well, Goldberg was the worst. He kept looking at the crowd in the ropes and there was no one out there. Well, you could tell that with like people like Asuka, Asuka was, you know, that
1: you could tell like when she was at WrestleMania and she was wrestling, she, when she was getting in, she was starting to get into the match and she turned around and she, you could see she made a reaction toward the fans and she kind of forgot that there was, there wasn't even nobody there. Right. So yeah, I agree with you.
0: They with got that. a little spoiled on having crowds there.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, a lot of the behind-the-curtain stuff going on right now with them all. Uh, a lot of free agents out there in WWE released a lot of guys. Uh, some have re-signed back at big pay cuts. Yep. Some are still waiting out their uh, – their, uh, they got a out for 90 days or 30 days, depending on what their contract was. Some probably just taking time off to heal, too. Um, do you think a lot of these guys were – you think a lot of them were land? Anyone in particular you're looking forward to going somewhere?
1: Um. You know, TNA right now is doing this thing where, you know, like I've noticed where they're, they're advertising for people, you know, as far as certain people to come back onto their roster. Um, and I know for a fact that, you know, Japan wants Dallas and Anderson back. We all know they're big over there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them. I would say go back to Japan. Um, I would say Rusev is probably going to more than likely sign with I would say probably NWA for now. Um, that's what it sounds like. That's where the hype is at. Um, I don't know. Like I, there's not, a lot of the people that they let go are, are. I can't really call them jobbers, but they're not really main eventers. They're mid carders. I mean, there's. I mean, like Zack Ryder. I mean, I know I look for him to land in, in AEW. I mean, that's yep you know, obvious, um, EC three. Um, I've heard a lot of talks about him going back to TNA, but then again, like I said, that's TNA just putting his picture up there. There's nothing mandatory. There's nothing in writing saying that that's where he's going. Um, I could see,
0: but I could see some, like EC three, maybe like in like AEW. And I think a lot of guys with like with TNA, what they got to do is you got to spend money to make money. So do they take a chance and sign some of these guys. You know, TNA has a contract with uh, Access TV, which, unless you get like your second or third tier package on cable, you're not going to get it. So well, they might have to spend money for some of these guys to get them in. Yep. Hopefully, they'll get fans to come look them up more. At least look them up on YouTube or something, see what's going on, and give them something.
1: Well, I know right now, I was reading on uh, the internet the other day that they said that um, with the whole, with Cody Rhodes doing this whole open invitation. They said that this could be an opportunity for some big names to show up within the company with him defending his title. And one of the people actually that was actually on the list for uh, for him to face or, or, you know, to show up and accept the challenge was
0: actually EC3. Do you think a lot of guys will show up there for like a one off coming for one Um, match, see what kind of reaction they get and then see if they sign after that once they can get a crowd?
1: I'm going to say, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say, I mean, but then again, again, it goes back, it depends on who it is, but yeah, I would say most of them will probably show up for a one-time deal, see what the reaction is, see how they fit in. I I think like somebody like an EC3 would be good, and I think a perfect storyline for him would be like maybe bringing him in as like the big brother of MJF.
0: Right, and I hate to say a tryout because guys like EC3 or Rusev or anyone else who comes in. They've they've earned it. They've earned their name. I think it's more of a fan reaction tryout. Have them come in when there's a crowd there, see so what kind of reaction they get.
1: Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I don't think that guys like Rusev and EC3 and guys like that. I don't think that and like Zack Ryder. I don't think these guys need like a tryout. I mean, you got like a tag team, like a great tag team, like the Revival or FTR as they're known now. Yep. You know, come in again. There's a there there there's. A team, right there. Again, they don't need a tryout. I think they need to come in and just get a feel of what the reaction from the fans are going to be, and I think go from
0: there. And I think a lot of them are going to like what they feel, you know. And like I said, TNA's had to finally they've started taping some shows now. You know, NWA was real small. They were just the old TV studio wrestling anyway. We only had like sixty people there to start with. I don't really think they could do an empty arena or empty stage, stadium event. I would like to see them do it, just so the guys don't get too rusty, can stay in shape. Because with NWA, they'd fly people down and do ten shows in a weekend. If you don't got a crowd there, it might be easier to to pop those out. Does that surprise you? They haven't done that yet. Um,
1: you know, it's no, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, they're a small company. I mean, they're they're running up off of what they can do. I mean, I think one thing that would help with the exposure of NWA is maybe do they don't have to do it like you know i'm not saying like tie in and you know have a permanent deal with the cross brand with these people but i think maybe do maybe like a a uh, what do you call it? like 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 a um like a super show i think they ought to do a super show with like maybe AEW oh okay you've got you know like you know you got cuz you got some teams over you got some teams over in NWA that could i think fairly match up with guys that are in AEW you know, I mean, you got, you know, James Storm and what's the...
0: Eli Drake, their tag team champion. Yeah, there.
1: I mean, you got, you know, you got teams like that. I mean, you got, obviously, Nick Aldish. You got... Uh,
0: um, Oh, yeah, James Storm and Eli Drake against uh, Hangman. and Yeah. And Omega well, yeah. would be a good match, you know? Yeah,
1: I mean, or even just like, even if you don't want to do the tag thing. I mean, even James Storm versus Hangman Page right. would be a great... A, 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 a great singles match for a card. I mean, right. You know, you don't have to make it your main event, but it'd be a great opener or it'd be a great mid-carder.
0: And you don't have to put the titles on the line. but just have champion against champion just as a match in general. It would be kind of fun to watch.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, and that's, and I mean, but that's what made, to me, to me, that's what made wrestling fun back in the day is, you know, you had, like, the Crockett promotion, and they ever so often would do a cross brand with, like, the AWA or, yep. like, or like Mid-South or something like that. You, you know, you would see guys like Kerry Von Erich or, a, you know, Larry Zabisco or right. whatever, you know, whoever was big at that time and whatever promotion, you might see them come through and do a run, and then they would leave, and then, you know, and I think that's what wrestling needs. I think they need that. You don't have to have a buddy, buddy relationship with the company, but I think like have an open door where, Hey, you know, if we want to bring a James Storm in to do a match with, you know, like you said, an Adam page, right? The door is open. You can do that, you right. know? And I think that would be a perfect, that would be a perfect, as they say, fantasy warfare match. Like, I mean, James yep. Storm would be great for, to push a kid like Adam page.
0: Right. Or, you know, Every now and then, like I remember back in the day with Devon Eric's, every now and then Flair would go down there and wrestle. Right, right. And about once every couple, three years, he'd drop the belt to someone for a couple of weeks. Right, and so, after, you, so you never knew. Geez, Flair's coming up to Minnesota. Is he going to drop the belt here? Or he's going to St. Louis or California. You never know.
1: Right. So. And, right. And that right and that's what I was saying or like the UWF back in the day yep. had the cross brand with like Crockett's where you had Terry Taylor and you had Dr. Death Steve Williams or you had the Barry or you had Barry Windham and Terry Taylor where they would go over the North American title. Yep. You know, or I remember when they com- when they combined it the UWF I think it was like The UWF like television belt with like the 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 Crockett's like United States Championship or something like that where Nikita, I think it was like Nikita and Eddie Gilbert or something like that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, again, you don't have to have that solid handshake deal, but have that open door policy where they need a promotion, not to bring up past history, but you need a promotion like ECW where when Paul Heyman took, even when Paul Heyman took it over. He had that open door policy where if a guy left the company on bad terms and he just wanted to get some heat up off of his shoulders, he let the guy come in and do something. Yep. You know, he he'd say, you know, like a, like a maniac, Matt Born, when he left and on bad terms with WWE, and he, he got tired of doing the doing gimmick. He let him come in and do his thing and say, you know what? Find your way. Yep. And you know, if
0: occasionally say. Maybe not the local promotions here in Minnesota were a little small. We'll take NWA, for example. They're kind of smaller ROH. Say the U.S. title, whoever's got it for WWE at the time, goes down there and loses it to him for two weeks. Life goes on. He'll drop it. He'll give it back. He'll get him back in his rematch. You know, right. But give that other guy a little love. Give them some respect because if Vince wants to try to keep people happy with him, he's got to do that because Vince is going to lose people here left and Right.
1: Well, see, and I think that's a lot of the problem is is that you just hit it right on the nail in my opinion, there's no love no more there's no there's no brotherhood love where you know, hey, you know what you did this for me i, I owe you one, yep, you know, hey, you know what I see this in this kid, hey, let me work with him yeah, let me push, let me push this kid let me you know, I was watching a podcast the other day with the Heart Foundation, and they were talking about um. Oh God, who were they? Oh, they were talking about the Bulldogs. They were asking different teams about the Bulldogs and what it was like to work with Davy Boy and stuff like that. And you know, uh, they threw the Hart Foundation together. as just like as just a regular tag team. They weren't expecting them to last. And the Bulldog, them and the Bulldogs had such good, great chemistry together. The Bulldogs told Vince, "Keep them together. We want to work with these guys. They compliment us. We complement them. We think we can push them." And long and behold, the Hart Foundation became one of the longest tag teams, if not the longest tag team in WWF history. One of the better
0: tag teams in the 80s that they had there, if you ask me. Well, that. yeah, they had, I mean, but, well. Top five, say, top five in the 80s for WWE. I'd
1: say the Hart, I would say if you had to put top tag teams in WWF back in the 80s, it was the Hart Foundation, the Bulldogs, and then I would have to sit there and put Demolition in there.
0: Sheik and Volkov.
1: Sheik and Volkov, yeah, but she can They'd Vol- be fifth. Arguably, flipped. She, she, she and Volkoff were good, but the problem was, is that you know when Sheik got tired of Vince's stuff, yeah, <laughs> she right. hit the road and kind of left Nikolai hanging high, hanging right?
0: <laughs> right. But um, yeah. So like I said, that's gonna be part of what we're gonna talk about here. Is there's a little insight there? You mentioned earlier some fantasy booking. Let's do a little break here. We'll come back with our, our, uh, Incamania card one, if you will. We'll go okay. some matches. Just a second. <laughs> The Sports and Songs Podcast. so we're ready here we're gonna go back over our uh Mania card one here if you will um first of all y- you found the link here on our sports and songs facebook page leave your comments below on who you would have thought that one of these matches or on our anchor site for this too you can also leave a message as a way you can find you can leave a voicemail message on there tell us what matches you want us to talk about hey i'm fancy booking this match what do you guys think so let us know but here we go with our matches i'm gonna start off with a cage match now These are going back in the day a little bit. Some current guys, some old guys. And we're assuming, obviously, in their primes when we have these matches. So, from the AWA, Mad Dog Vachon against Kevin Sullivan in a cage match. Mm. Both of them have no problem giving color, so that'd (laughs)
1: that'd
0: be a messy one.
1: Um, oof.
0: Yeah. These are all with Earl Hebner as the referee for all these matches, by the way. So.
1: <laughs> oh, it's it, 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 oh, oh oh it's oh it, it's the uh, we we don't have the twin referees. No, no, it's just Earl. It's not not <laughs> that is twin brother.
0: If just Earl. Dave, from, Dave's not in no, it. No, Dave's not working. So these are all Earl um, Hebner matches. I would have to give the edge.
1: Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Sullivan
0: because both were okay. You know, selling for somebody else all the time too. So that's what's made this match Sol- so cool.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Sullivan just because okay. Sullivan was a little bit more. uh, I would say he was smarter in the ring the way he worked. Yeah,
0: Vashawn didn't care if he won or lost as long as you. Yeah. as long as you were hurt when you left, he was okay with Va-
1: that. Vashawn Va- 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 was more of the, I guess you could say, the Mick Foley or the Cactus Jack of that right. era per yep. se. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Kevin Sullivan on that
0: one. All right, our next match a Chicago Street Fight Tag Team Match. Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. Against the Road Warriors. Mm. Now, not Legion of Doom. WWE Road Warriors back. NWA uh, AWA early Road Warriors. Um, with a
1: street fight, it's kind of hard to give a winner. And in this situation, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say we go to a no contest because I mean, you got. I mean, you well, thought- you do have
0: Earl Hebner as referee, so he would screw it up and call a no contest. Yeah. <laughs> um. No um, contest. Yeah, that good, but that would be a fun one to watch too. That'd be a fifteen-minute I mean, time limit draw. It'd be a fun one to watch, but and the reason I say
1: like no contest, I mean, even though like you said, Earl Hebner wouldn't call it. A, um, fine then. I'd say like I ain't gonna say no. Like all right, fine. Like I would say like the 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 uh, finish to it or whatever you want to call it. I think they both knocked ourselves out because, I mean, you got two tag teams that were, I mean, you're talking about both of them in their prime. I mean, right. let, let's face right. it, like neither tag team, I mean, you're talking Hanson, you're talking Hanson and Brody. I mean, they were like, right. they were the road warriors in Japan. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um,
1: so I would say, so I would say they would just like. Go to a no finish. Go to a no, yeah, basically just like beat each other up to where they can't go no more. All right, that's fair.
0: All right, next match is is the living legend against the legend killer, Larry Zbyszko against Randy Orton. Um, I'm
1: gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Zbyszko. Zabisco was Zabisco again. He, you know, I gotta I gotta go back to the uh, smarter in the ring. I think Zbyszko. Nope. When's the, back in the days, Episco and I Man, I mean, I don't think you could really touch them.
0: All right. That's good. Good call. All right. For the tag team title, the Freebirds, and to would be the Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy Freebirds. Okay. Against the AWA's East-West Connection of Jesse Ventura and Adrian Adonis. Golden Boy Adrian Adonis and Jesse the Body Ventura. So back right before they hit WWE, for those of you who aren't familiar with AWA, Adonis... Wasn't as heavy in the AWA. He was a little more of a, um, little more of a Stan Hansen type build, we'll say. But you know, so those two, Ventura and Adonis, against gonna the birds.
1: Go, I'm going to say again. I'm 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 going to go against the green, and I'm going to sit there. I'm going to say the Freebirds, and the reason I'm going to say the Freebirds is because the Freebirds had the full package when Adonis and Ventura were tagging in the AWA. I never really saw. Too much of, like, Ventura's on-camera interviews. Um, and Adonis kind of always was... He was kind of quiet to me. He never really... Until he got to the WWE... Or, I'm sorry, WWF. You know, Adonis and, and Ventura really didn't come into their characters. I mean, like, it, you know... um Adonis really didn't open up until he got with kind of like, you know, he kind of started doing the whole flamboyant.
0: When he got with Jimmy Hardy, he got a Yeah, better. like
1: once he was with Jimmy Hart, he opened up and he was a little bit more vocal. And I'd have to say the same thing with Ventura. Ventura really didn't open up and wasn't as vocal until he got in the commentary position. So
0: again, I'm going to go with the Freebirds. You know, and that was the thing with Adonis, his drawback. He wasn't that good on the mic. He had Ventura and they were a tag team. Then when he went solo, he needed that manager, another partner. Well, and he was also,
1: well, and you got to remember back in the day before he got with, and I believe it was before he got with Ventura, if I'm not mistaken, he was also tag team team partners with Dick Murdoch. Right. And, you know, as everybody knows, again, you have another guy there that Murdoch wasn't very vocal. He wasn't, he didn't do a whole, I mean, he, here and there, but he was not, no Dusty Rhodes. Yep, yep.
0: So again, I'm going to go with the free go with the birds, birds. All right? For our mid card title, in their primes, Rick Martel against Magnum TA.
1: Mm. I'm going to. Because mm,
0: okay. Rick Martel and AWA did have the world title for a while. He did have I think in WCW held the TV for a little bit and he had some tag titles in WWF. TA was, you know, the US champ or national champ every now and then in, in,
1: I'm going to in NWA so again I'm going to go and I'm going back, you know, I'm going back to the whole maybe you're, maybe I'm being biased here but I'm going back to the whole the whole promo work and as far as, you know, yep. I'm going to go with Magnum TA. And the only reason I'm going with Magnum TA is, not, not the only reason, but one of the reasons I'm going with Magnum TA is because of the fact, as a champion, I saw his promo work. And I saw him do more talking when he was a champion versus when, Mar- when Martel was champion. Like, I heard a lot of good things about Martel. I've seen Martel's work in the ring. Martel's a fantastic worker. But, again... As everybody knows, you need Mike skills yep. in order to be a champion. And like I said, I've seen Magnum TA's promos. I never really saw Martell's promos in AWA, so I'm going to go with Magnum TA. All
0: right. Martell's promos in AWA, to tell the truth, weren't that great. Um, his heel promos when he was the model were a lot better. When he was trying to be the babyface, the good guy, he just he, – he was, don't get me wrong, his work, he worked great as the, the face, but – He just couldn't do the talking. Well, and I think that's why, like,
1: you know, I think that's why, like, when even when he got to the WWF and, you know, and I'm talking, like, you know, like, you know, I think that's why, like, when he got with Santana, Santana was always the talker. Santana was always kind of like, Markel would be the face expressions, but Santana would always kind of get the words in. Right, right. So.
0: All right, for the heavyweight title. Now, I know these matches happened in the past. It was always those one-offs like we talked about before. But they're in the same association for a while. This is gonna to have to be a feud. Fleur against Bockwinkle. Rick Fleur against Nick Bockwinkle for the title. I'm gonna i I'm gonna go.
1: I'm speaking, you know, I'm speaking honest here. Yep. Okay. And I'm speaking as a former worker slash fan. Yep. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say it would go to a draw. And the reason I say that is because here are two guys that in their prime were so great that I don't think
0: that you can you can declare a winner. I mean, Flair always said he'd go to the 60-minute match. So did Bachwinkle, So they both had the cardio to and, do long match. And they both had great managers. You yep. had Flair,
1: who had Dylan. And you also had Bobby Heenan. And you had Bobby Heenan, who yep. was with Bachwinkle. And I think both of these guys in their prime, I I don't think... I think it would wind up being another, I think their matches would, if they would have been allowed to work and carry the feud, I think their matches would have wound up. A lot of their matches would have wound up like a lot of like how steamboat and Flair's matches. Right. Because they were so great that you can't really, you can't really say, well, this one was better than this one. So I'm going to say it it would have went to a draw. Would have went to a time limit draw. Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. Um, you know, and, and that's what's the fun part about fantasy booking like this, is you can talk about it and you can each share your opinions. Um, it's kind of like when you say, and now and when it, with wrestling compared to other sports, other sports can't say, well, who's the better home run hitter? Mark McGuire or Barry Bonds or Babe Ruth? The games are so different those areas you can't. Wrestling, you can kind of put it into a, hey, they're both in their prime. What's going to happen? Because the wrestling sport hasn't changed since the 20s, to, you know, 100 years ago to today. So it's like, oh, they are bigger stadiums or this or that. Yeah, the athletes are bigger today. Don't get me wrong. But that's all part of the fantasy booking. We tried to match up guys who were kind of similar. We didn't put Braun Strowman against the Crusher. Okay? That just wasn't going to happen. Right. So that's what's the fun about fantasy booking for wrestling. You can do that. And that's where we want you guys to help us out. Either on the comments on this page or on Twitter, if you find it on Twitter. Or you can leave a voicemail on the Anchor site here for us. What matches do you want to see? Or who do you think would have won some of these matches?
1: Yeah, I mean, and you know, and that's the thing. I mean, like we were talking earlier. Me and you were sitting there, and we yep. were talking about some things. And like, you know, like we were, me and you had agreed earlier. You know, today's performers are in better shape and are they are better athletes. But in both of our opinions, as we both as we had both stated to each other, they're not the, the they're not uh, they don't put on they don't put on as is great of matches, or they're not as great of sellers as you know some of the guys back in the day were yeah a lot of the guys back in the day I mean you know the, you know weren't chiseled like you know like everybody is today or wasn't cut from the same mold I mean these guys were brought up the you know were brought up from the ground up I mean you got guys like the road
0: warriors taking bumps on gymnasium mats I mean, and, and these- the guys who were built back in the day And this was no rip on the guy. I'm sure he's a decent guy, but a guy like Lex Luger, he had the build and he had three moves and that was it. Well, and that's it. I mean, you know, he had, that's just it. He was brought in guys. Like you said,
1: like, like you said, Luger, you had a guy like Luger brought in because he looked good. He, you know, whatever just came up off of a football injury or, you know, he was just let go from his football contract. He was brought in, but again, you know, like you said, two or three moves, you know, and that was it. I mean, and, That was pretty much all these other guys, you know, you get guys like the Road Warriors or like Barry Darso or Nikita Koloff. All these guys were brought up the way, you know, most of these guys were brought up the way their trainers were brought up. Like, you know, Harley Race, you know, when Harley Race trained you, Harley Race ain't gonna train you to be Alex Luger like Harley race was no Lex Luger, but right. when Harley race brought you up, Harley race, Harley race was bringing you up to be a champion. Harley race brought yes. you up the way he was brought in the game.
0: Yeah. Race, Ganya, um, well, those old school guys at like that, they, they worked more in your Killer Kowalski. Yep. I mean, you're know, like, you
1: go back and you ask, like, I mean, you take somebody
0: like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yep, cut no you problem. off. But,
1: you know, you, you take somebody like a Triple H who, you know, you look at Triple H, okay, in great shape, whatever. I'm not going to say Killer Kowalski was was no, he was no him and Edgar, But, you know, Triple H wasn't brought up the way the guys in NXT were brought up
0: today. He yeah. was brought, Killer Kowalski broke, broke him in the way Killer Kowalski broke him in. Right. And that's what I'm saying. There these guys learn to wrestle first. And once you learn how to wrestle, okay, now we'll teach you to be a champ.
1: Guys like The Undertaker, guy, you know, when he was when he was brought up in the business, his first job, or one of his one of his first people that he was put with was Dutch Mantel. Right. Well, you look at Dutch Mantel, Dutch Mantel looks like a mountain man. Right. You look at Dutch well, this what's this guy? This guy ain't nobody. Dutch Mantel was one of the best workers in the business. If you if you could travel with Dutch Mantel and you could manage a month to be with Dutch Mantel, he made sure you had a spot on the card no matter where he could get right. you. If he said, "Well, you know what, kid? I can get you signed with the Crockett's,
0: You better believe he kept his word and he got you signed with the Crockett's. Right. I mean, any guy who brought a bull bull rope into the ring, you got to trust him. <laughs> you know? I mean, my God! Well, he was. Well, that well, had that Yosemite know, Sam mustache and yeah, get <laughs> a bull whip. But but he but he could work, you right. know. And Dutch Mantell,
1: like, and who, like, correct me, like, like, um, help me out here, Andy. Who was Dutch Mantell's tag team partner when he was down in the Crockett's? They were they the were Kansas the Kansas Jayhawks. The Kansas
0: Jayhawks. Crap, I was afraid you were going to ask me that. Oh, I can't, oh, think and I I can't
1: remember. I, I remember the tag team name, but he, I forget who he yep. was tag team partners with. But even the Kansas Jayhawks, you look at the Kansas Jayhawks and you're like, who are the Kansas Jayhawks? Right. But they could wrestle. Right. They could wrestle. They look like nobodies, but they could wrestle. Right. And they got over. And that's what it's about. Today's, you know, yes, today's today's guys and girls are better performers but they do not put on the quality. They do not put on the match quality and they do not sell. They don't tell the story. They should. And they don't know how to put the younger generation over without feeling threatened.
0: Yes. You know, I heard an interview today, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. was talking about how his Twitter account, he goes, I don't care what wrestler you are on your Twitter account. You should stay in your character name and always be your character on Twitter. Don't break kayfabe there. He goes, if you want to have your, your, your shoot name and have another account for your friends and family, that's fine. But he goes, when you're a wrestler, you always have to be in character. And I remember Ric Flair did an interview when I was a kid years ago. He goes, yo, when this actor's done in a movie, he's back to be Joe Blow on the street. He goes, I'm Ric Flair everywhere. Yep. And that's what Brian Pillman, and is trying to say. These guys have to stay in character. And that's kind of where they're trying to tell their story a little bit. But it's hard to tell your story there, too, because it's two different things. You're talking about what you think of events now or other wrestlers you're shooting them down now on Twitter. That's all fine and great. Go and wrestle one guy at a time. Yep. You know, so Twitter's a great way for them to work on their story, work on setting it all up, but if you're not catching it, you're missing it. And then the thing that breaks that is you got the Elite with the Bucks and everybody else. They do their shoot YouTube show being the Elite, which is kind of a behind-the-curtain look, but you know what? Everybody knows 85 to 90% of people watch pro wrestling. Sorry to tell you this, but it's fake. And they know it's a storyline and it's set up. If you don't know that going into it, then don't go on Instagram. Don't go on Facebook. Don't go on Twitter. Don't follow our stuff. Just watch the show Saturday nights and leave it at that.
1: But you know, and, and and not, and, and not, you know, and to go like within this conversation, like with what you're talking about, but at the same time, like the bucks and the elite, Aren't the first ones to break kayfabe oh, when right. it comes to uh, cutting a promo or putting the business out there? I mean, let's face it: if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about two people doing that, let's go on record and let's talk about National Hall when they yeah. let when they left the WWF and Hall walked in to WCW. Hall, even though Hall didn't break kayfabe. He kind of did because he said, You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And the whole time, if you listen to when he's jumping the guardrail, Tony Shivani's like, Oh my God, is that who I think it is? Yeah. What is he here? They were the NWO, if you really want to talk about it, were the ones who kind of broke kayfabe because when they left the WWF and they walked into WCW, they said, we're not Kevin. We're not. We're not
0: Diesel. We're not Razor. We're right. Nash and Hall. Well, that's why, you know, you got the curtain call of Doom. Or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. and also that's why in the Hall of Fame for WWE, he put in Diesel and Razor Ramon. Yep, he won't put him as the others. Which and that's just Vince being a four year old. So whatever. But that's where I like when guys go. It's you could be somebody else. But I think it's. But I think what it comes down
1: to, like to answer Brian Pillman's question, or like to answer to answer the fans, the fans' questions as far as Brian Pillman's question goes. I think what it comes down to, it all depends on how serious the worker or the performer takes their character. Because here you have, and and I'm going to use this as an example because, like, this was it was this was a it was a video I was watching the other day, and I'm going to use this as a prime example you take somebody like Charlotte and Ric Flair. Right. Okay. And Ric Flair said, if you would have asked me 20 years ago, if my daughter would be in the same arena, wrestling in the same arena that I was and following in my footsteps, I would have told, you no." right. And she, a lot of people, um, Mess on Charlotte Flair, for a better word, because she's Ric Flair's daughter, but I've got to give Charlotte Flair credit for something, and that's for as much as people put her down for being Ric Flair's daughter— she takes the role of following in her father's footsteps very seriously. Right. She and she stays that. in character at all times.
0: Yeah, she respects that. Even when
1: it. she's on camera with her dad and you know her dad, you can tell her dad's joking around, like, you know, making, like, little, like, I ain't gonna say wisecracks, but, you know, she, he's joking around with her because he he knows she she's following his... She's serious, and she'll and, and, and you can tell when she's like, she'll be like, she'll be like, Dad, come on, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm serious. It. She takes her role seriously with what she does, and she doesn't let the fans get to her. You got some people, and I mean, you got to put Randy Orton in that category, because, but you got some fans, or I mean, some workers that, like, when they come in, like, you got a DiBiase. He come in, he tried to follow in his father's footsteps,
0: It just didn't work out. Right. He couldn't handle the pressure and he, he bounced. You know, and one thing I'll say is, you know, you talk about them following in their father's footsteps, keeping it true to the family. Charlotte Flair. I've heard her interviews, like, you know, the morning radio stations when they're in town and that, and she relaxes. She's Ashley. Then she's not Charlotte for some of it. You know, she'll be herself a little bit and tell some stuff. She doesn't go behind the curtain and give kayfabe stuff, but she kind of, she's more relaxed, Um, which I'm okay with that because you're not breaking character. But you are, but everybody knows you're, you're a real person too. But what
1: I, but what I was getting at is like, you were saying about like Pillman saying, yeah, breaking K fable on like Twitter. And what I'm saying is, is like, she, right. Like when you see her in an interview, she's Ashley Flair. Like everybody knows that like she, and she's relaxed. But what I'm saying is, is the whole time that, you, you know, you see her or you hear her or you see her comments or whatever, she takes the role seriously. Yes. She doesn't take it as a joke. She's not like, hey, you know, I'm I'm Charlotte Flair, you know, while I'm on Raw. But when I get on, but when I get on this interview with Andy and Jason, I'm I'm Ash I, you know I'm Ashley Flair, you know, and crap on what my dad's legacy was. Right, right. She she respects what she's been given, and even though people mess on her her for being Flair's daughter. She takes it and runs with it and uses it to her advantage. Right. And I think that's what Brian Pillman is saying is if you're going to be somebody, be true to who you are. Don't one minute, you know, it's like me, you know, I, I wrestle as Jason Inc. Well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to stay in, I'm going to stay in my Jason Inc. character. I'm not going to, you know, everybody knows who I am off a of camera right. or who I am off of whatever, but when people see me, I, I'm I'm Jason Ink. When I get into Jason Ink mood, I'm Jason Ink. I'm not.
0: Yep. Which is different from another athlete. like you can go to a, back in the day when we used to be able to go to sporting events, but <laughs> you go to a sporting event or the grocery store and you see a baseball player there. All right. Or you see a football player there. You see Kirk Cousins in the grocery store. Hey, he's just Kirk Cousins getting milk and eggs. He's right. out there as the football player signing autographs. Right. But you see Jason ain't there getting milk and eggs. Now, he's not going to go around kick the old lady and spit at kids like he does in the ring. But he's not going to be happy-go-lucky and give you a balloon either. Right. You know, so you got to give these guys respect and credit for that, too. And when he's at the grocery store getting milk and eggs, he's just another guy. He's out there to sign autographs or anything else. No, I
1: mean, and if somebody, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Like if somebody comes up, you know, and wants, you know, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. You know, he will right. you know, shake the hand, you know, whatever. Um Take, but, a, take a selfie real quick with them. But But you know, you know, from past experiences, I think people react to you accordingly to how you react to them. I mean, you know, I've heard stories of Scott Steiner, everybody who's oh, you know, he he's you know, he's such a jerk and you know, you don't want to talk to him. He's got such a hard Well, I had an opportunity to meet him, you know, meet him once and I went up to him and hey, you know, hey Scott, nice to meet you. I'm Jason. You know, I'm I'm a part I'm I'm a part of the I'm one of the workers. I'm a part of the show. How you doing? And I waited till after he got done whatever he was doing, and then I walked up to him and, and talked to him and asked him what I wanted. And he's like, you know, he's, and you know, I was like, hey, you got five short sure, man. You know, hold on a minute. And go,
0: I think it's in how you approach people. Right. You don't go to him and go, oh, Gaga, or start thinking you're a tough guy. You just go treat him like a regular human. Exactly. Hey, how you doing, man? But. You know, we'll get more behind the curtain stuff later on other things. Um we've both got stories to share, I suppose, of other wrestlers or athletes we've met. We'll sure. get into that another another yep. day. Yep. Um But this is the end of our first official We did we did one before a special one, but this will be a more of a recurring thing here, the uh here with Jason. And he'll pop on the show every now and then, something big coming up. But like I said, about every three weeks we'll throw one of these out there. Sorry we're not doing it on the video side of it. It's gonna be just on the anchor podcast alone. But Shoot us back stuff on the Sports and Songs page on either Facebook or, or Twitter. You'll see it out there. Um, and leave a message here. We're going to wrap this up, Jason. Um, any other words for the Ink Nation
1: before we go? No, I do want to throw I – do, I do have something I want to throw out to the fans, and I just want their opinion on it. You were making a mention, you know, of like, you know, if they have any fantasy warfare matches yep. or, you know, if they have anything that they, you know, want to talk I want to sit there and throw out the fans and just ask them – I, I have a fantasy warfare match, and I would like the fans' opinions on what they think. Who do you think would win be, in their prime? Who do you think would win between Bret Hart and beautiful Bobby Eaton back in their prime? Hmm. And I would like to hear, and I'd like to hear back from my fans, you know, and I'd like to hear back from the Inc. Nation on, like, what their opinions would be on that. Uh, Andy gave me his opinion earlier, um, which I thought was very intriguing, and I, I agreed with him on it, you know, like, I mean, after you think about it. But I would just want to hear one-on-one... Who would win between Beautiful Bobby Eaton and Bret the
0: Hitman Hart in their prime? Y'all, you know, on a side note of that, it'd almost be just as fun watching Coronet and Jimmy Hart on the outside of the ring for that one. Yeah. And you that, know, that, would, that would add more to that match, yeah, those two. you know two. What?
1: You forgot, and we forgot, to, and we forgot to add them in earlier because we were talking about, you said, you know, yeah. that you think Bret Hart would go over on Beautiful Bobby— but the Midnight Express, but then the Midnight, but then the Midnight Express would go over on the Hart Foundation. He said that ain't no, you know, disrespect to Night. But again, but then let, let's let okay. Here's the other part to that question. I, I asked yep. who who would go over between beautiful Bobby and Bret the Hitman Hart. Okay, here's the second part to that question. I want to hear from you fans. Who do you think would give a better promo between Jim Cornette and Jimmy Hart? Because they both, oh. because in their prime, in my opinion, they both had strong promo skills. And they both got in the business the same
0: way, too, as ringside photography. So, so they've been around the game. So,
1: that's the two part question. And again, like I said, I want to hear, you know, leave a comment, you know, um, you know, leave a comment on, on, you know, on, on the website or on, you know, on the Facebook page page for us, you know, and give us your comments and give us any, any requests on maybe some fantasy warfare matches that you guys have. And maybe we can
0: talk about them on the next podcast. All right. And like I said, I'm going to, One more shameless plug here for the social media. Also, we have a blog. Last Two entries ago, Jason and I previewed um, the AEW pay-per-view. And we'll probably do that on the blog for every pay-per-view coming up between uh, WWE, AEW, some of the major ones. We'll do just our major pay-per-views. We're not going to do every little pay per view that comes up because there's going to be one almost every other week, so that's just too much work. But the, <laughs> but the major, major pay per views yeah. or or so like that will follow the blog on there too. You'll see that on there. We'll we'll put messages out when we update it so you know. We appreciate y'all. Um, I think the blog we did last time with the predictions on it was one of our highest viewed blogs we've had so far. So yeah, that was were- good news. So thank you for that. Thank you everybody for for giving your uh, eyes to see that. And get on the blogs. There's a section on there. Leave a comment going, "Hey, on your matches, you guys were way wrong. I think this guy's going to happen, or I think that match should have been this match." And then I have
1: to throw in there, Andy, that you know, me and you, we we went over, we went over the card at the time, you know, and we made our predictions, and you know, some of them I was right on, some of them you were right Um, on. I did win four to three, by the way, (laughs) and you did get over on me. I have to say, like you called most of the matches, like you, you know, you you know, I was I was kind of shocked at some of the outcomes. Most people already know what the outcome of that matches were, but for people that don't, you know, the next time when you guys tune in, we'll go over
0: that. Yep. But like I said, we're going to cut this one here. We'll get another ad in and we'll call it a show Inc. I thank you. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care.
1: I think we ought to.
0: Well, thanks again, everybody. That's another episode of Sports and Songs. Thanks again to Jason Eng for welcoming us into his home today into the tattoo parlor for the show. Please, again, find us on our Facebook page at Sports and Songs. Um, We leave a message here on the Anchor page. You can leave a message there, a voicemail also. We do want to hear your feedback. We want to have a lot of uh, interaction with the fans back and forth on these episodes. So please, please, we appreciate your feedback. Give us a follow. Give us a like. All that happy stuff. Uh, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, uh, the blog. You'll see all the information on our Facebook page for all the uh, sites for those in the bio. Thanks again.